Welcome, welcome to Real Faith. You are listening to... Oh, blah, blah, I lost my brain. Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM, and uh, we're super excited to have you listening in. Super excited whether you're calling in from your... Not calling in, listening in from your car, or you're listening in from your stereo somewhere else, or on your computer. We're stoked to have you here. How are you going today? Oh, I'm going swell, yeah. Tell us why you're going so swell. Oh, look, I can't help but love sunny days. It's sunny here. We're based in Newcastle, and since all day it's been sunny, and I've been hanging out for an all-day sunshine day for ages. Yeah, you know, sometimes people talk about how great the rain is, but let me just add a point of contention. (laughs) I'm from Southern California originally, and it rains like maybe three days a year on average. Nice. I I don't know if that's accurate, but that's, that's what I remember. It's been a while. But here's the thing. Rain is beautiful when you have it, you know, sparsely and you Mm. you learn to enjoy it. But when you have it every day for like two weeks in a row and you've just mowed the lawn and you hate mowing the lawn and it took you three hours and you're like, that's going to grow really fast Really fast. And your washing is still wet on the line from three days ago. You start to wonder (laughs) if the sun will ever come out again. Well, the worst. So I can relate to that. I think the I think the sun is fantastic. It's great to have a sunny day. Yeah, I was going to say the worst is when you can't mow your lawn because it keeps raining and you're like, it's never. I'm never going to get. Oh no, out. that's fine. I don't mind because then you, really? then you have an excuse. You don't you don't get in trouble for it. That's okay. I that doesn't see. bother me in the slightest. <laughs> hey, how are you feeling today? I'm doing great. I uh, ex- except one thing. So I've got this niggling injury that seems to have been happening in my shoulder, and it's I don't know what's caused it exactly. Might have been. My hiking recently, it might have been, I don't know. But it doesn't feel great. And uh, so here's a quick question for you. What is your, you got 30 seconds to tell us your worst injury story. Dun, Me? Dun, now? Yeah, yeah, right oh, now. Okay. Oh, and if you have, a, you have a great injury story, you can text that into us. We'd love to hear about it. We can share those as well. Um, so you can text it in at 0491-064-669. Text this. Those beautiful stories. And let's hear yours, Minnie. you got 30 seconds. Go. Wait, but do you mean worse is in actual worst damage or worse is in like most useless story? Ah, uh, you pick. <laughs> useless story. Go to that one. That okay. sounds more fun. Okay, I fully stacked it rollerblading one time. So I was, my friend was riding her bike at Kingscliff, like, which is up North Queensland. And uh, I was on the New rollerblades behind her. Yeah, r- rollerblades behind her. And then I don't even remember what happened. I think someone was coming. Anyway, whatever it was, the path got full. And then I just accidentally went off into the dirt. Now, when you're going fast and you suddenly hit dirt with wheels. It doesn't usually... <laughs> It kind of stops you a little bit on the wheels, oh. but the rest of your momentum doesn't really stop at the same speed, it does it? It stopped me so hard, and I literally had a dead arm for about six months. I couldn't raise it. Oh, I that's not incredible. Don't tell those stories. I'm talking about my shoulder hurting for two weeks, and you're telling me it might be six months? It's no good. No, no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Mom awesome. was silly. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your injury story. We'd love to hear from you guys. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're continuing our series on Philippians, getting into Philippians mm. chapter one, and we're going to hear from our good friend Leah in our Testify segment. Don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great show. And this next song is Melissa Otto, Enjoy the Sunshine.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM Radio, and we're about to get into our weird and wonderful world segment, where we find some weird and wonderful facts about the world that God has made, Mm. and Minnie's going to bring that for us today. But before we get into that, I just want to do another shameless plug, because our favorite part of this show is when we hear from you, and we hear your questions. And uh, today, we're actually going to do another free giveaway, and uh, the first caller in today with a question for our question of the week segment can be a question about God, about spirituality, about the Bible, about you name it. We'd love to hear from you. Um, The first person who calls in for that is going to receive a free copy of a book called Acts of the Apostles, which is a commentary on the book of Acts, which goes through the history of the early church right after the ascension of Jesus. When Jesus returns to heaven, the early church takes off, and that's what the book is going to give some commentary on. So you can be that winner of that free book if you are our first caller in today. So we'd love to hear from you. You can do that by calling 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. So what fun facts have you got for us today, Minnie? Okay, so I decided to talk about the human eye because I was talking to a friend who is an artist and we were just talking about colors and seeing things. I was like, ooh, I reckon there'd be something quite delightful to find out about this. So, fun fact, did you know that human corneas are very similar to a shark's cornea? And so that means the sharks... This is very bad news. I hate sharks. This is interesting, though. (laughs) And it means that that specific part of the eye can be used as a replacement in human eye surgeries. Oh, man. What? So there's a redeeming factor to yeah. sharks. I am not happy about this. You know why that was my <laughs> first point? Because I remember the conversation where we talked about you hating sharks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it's good because the shark has to... Anyway, we won't talk about that. That's exciting. That's actually really neat. It's, it's really um, cool. Because, you know, you could save a life. Well, not to save a Do life it. necessarily, but you know. But eyes, yeah. Save an eye. Yeah, pretty significant. That is pretty cool. Um, I found it's it amazing. Right? I'm really surprised that they actually, that, that the body doesn't reject it. Look, I don't know how many times they've tried to do this. Um, but <laughs> just, just once. <laughs> Old Steve, shark eye Steve. <laughs> awesome. Um, what else have you got for us? Okay, so a fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics. An iris, which is the part in your eye that regulates the amount of light that enters the body. Yeah, so is the iris the colorful part? Yes. That opens and closes, that dilates, I should say. Yes. And and adjusts the size of your pupil. That's the one. Okay, so the colorful part of your eye, the iris. Yeah, there we go. Has 256 unique characteristics. Wow. So so the iris is something like five times more unique than your fingerprint. Yeah. Which is interesting, I suppose, which is perhaps maybe one of the reasons that they they do eye scans in some high security entrances. Yes, that's right, because it's meant to be very specific to you. Oh, it's fascinating. It's pretty good, hey? I've never had that done. I've never been in a high security building before. No, neither have I. And nothing, nothing beyond having to put a pin code in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's about as high tech as I've ever gotten. But what I find interesting about that also to do with like just what you can see with eyes, they reckon that diabetes is usually first detected during an eye test for sufferers of type 2 diabetes that have no noticeable symptoms. Um, it affects the blood vessels in your eyes. So if these become blocked or leaked, then the retina and perhaps your vision will be harmed. And that sometimes, oh, oh, and then this is an interesting fact. Schizophrenia is like detecting that by looking at someone's eye and abnormal eye movement patterns. There's a 98% accuracy rate in detecting that um, just from a person's eyes, not even from their behavior or yeah, anything, which is, I just think, quite interesting. I don't know why that's so connected. Um, yeah, that is interesting. You know, sometimes people talk about how, you know, eyes are the... I'm trying to, the portal into the soul, right? Mm. 
And isn't that interesting that we we actually find there's some truth to that yeah. when it comes to even scientific, um, medical, I should say, um, analyses. That's fascinating because, yeah. you know, sometimes I've, I've experienced like there, there's something about human eyes. Like the eye reveals things that are not being shared verbally or necessarily with body language, right? Yeah. Well, I suppose technically it might be body language with the eyes. But like sometimes you can tell if someone's being honest or if they're they're anxious or if they're mm. et cetera. Because of what their eyes are doing or not doing. Yes. You know, and, and in Western culture, you don't look at someone. You, you probably have some shame or some guilt, something like that going on in a circumstance. Yeah. Like there's, or you've got something to hide. Like there's lots of things that happen with the eye. That's amazing. I have a um, someone I know a couple of years ago who was the most amazing person I've ever met for reading people. And it didn't matter what you said about how you were feeling or going, guaranteed he could always pick you. He could always pick exactly what you were feeling. And I'd be like, how? How do you know, man? How can you tell? And he just always said, it's the eyes. It's the eyes. And he was someone who didn't talk a lot, but he would always pick this up. But anyway, moving on. Uh, researchers estimate that up to 12% of females have four cone types instead of three, which we normally have. And there's the potential to perceive 100 times more colors than the rest of us. Only 12% of females, but I was like, that's so interesting. So 12% of females have... Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. No, no, they said they're estimating up to that amount. I don't okay. know. Oh, okay, okay, okay yeah, that yeah, part's yeah, possible. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. So there's a group of females in the world who see more colors than others. Yes. This helps me feel a lot better about my, my color palette when it comes to things like, hey, what color is that? <laughs> Blue. No, 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 no. That's teal. Oh, oh, I'm oh, sorry. That's that's. that's I, in fact, great. I can't even remember the other color names that have been mentioned to me <laughs> to be able to illustrate this. Yeah. Just on that, I just wanted to say apparently the gene allowing people to see red is the X chromosome. So yeah, when guys say they can only see red, actually often they can only see red, not wow. all the different shades. Hey, that's good news. That's yeah. good news. <laughs> hey, this. Thank you for that. This is Ashray Colors.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM Radio. And before we get into our Testify segment, two quick things. I just wanted to follow up. Something I wanted to say before the break was we were learning about the human eye, and it was interesting just to note that God says, oh, and the psalmist, I should say, says in the Bible in Psalm 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And it's interesting, some of the stuff you were sharing. Um, So other shameless plug. Again, we'd love to hear from you for our question of the week portion. So if you've got a question, remember the first person who calls in is going to get a free copy of a commentary on the books of Acts of the Apostles. And you can do that by calling in 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. And I'd like to welcome Leah to the show. How are you going today, Leah? I'm going great. and Great to be here. Awesome. I'm stoked that you're able to come and share with us. Yes. And uh, for our Testify segment, I believe... You've got a story for us today, something about prayer? Yes, I have. And it just goes perfectly with that book that you just um, are sharing, the Acts of the Apostles, because it's actually based on the book of Acts and praying. Um, Because the early church, they came together for 10 days of prayer. And um, our World by Church, but we do that every year. So Mm. we have a 10 days of prayer program. And this testimony comes from that. So... If you actually want more information about the 10 Days of Prayer program, you can go to the website, and it's 10daysofprayer.org. Anyway, so I've been the newly appointed prayer leader for my church, and my church is Blue Haven um, Seventh-day Adventist Community Church. And so, you know, to start off the year, I thought, let's do the 10 Days of Prayer program that um, you can download all the materials. It has everything there that you go through. Um, Every day is a different sort of theme. Um, The whole overall theme was revival. So, you know, revival in our lives, revival in our church, revival in our communities. And so, yeah, I organized it. And um, just a little background history. I've got an autoimmune disease that sometimes can flare up and cause me pain and all these sorts of things. And when I have too much on my plate, that sometimes can happen. Anyway, I'm organizing this 10 days of prayer. I'm super excited. We have a really small church, probably about 30 to 40 people. Um, But I'm like, I just really wanted everyone to get involved because I knew if we could all come together, like God is going to do great things. Mm. Um, And so... It was really exciting. So we started, um, um, I advertised it in the church. And then, so funny, it was like we had organized to have it in different people's homes in, um, you know, in the Blue Haven area where our members are. And then COVID hits. Mm-hmm. And then Central Coast would not was not able to have more than five people in a home. And I was like, okay, this has just changed all my plans. So I had to like reshuffle everything and like had to do, you know, different locations than what I originally planned. Anyway, that was a spanner in the works, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to let this discourage me. So yeah, we ended up meeting um, for 10 days of prayer in two different locations. And it was just really powerful out of, you know, a small church. We had on average 12 people attend every night for 10 days, which I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, 12 people. Um, Also, there was about 22 people one night, but we came together to pray for souls. We came together to pray for our community. How are we going to reach them this year? Mm-hmm. You know, last year was terrible COVID-19. We didn't do much in the community as far as that. So we really needed God's wisdom. And it was really amazing to see over the 10 days, us all coming together for one purpose, mm-hmm. for, to reach the lost. And it just really, really unified our church. It was just amazing. It was, it was powerful. But I started having a flare of my autoimmune disease during like the first few days. And, you know, it's a late night every night once you're doing it. And so I was like, oh, I'll have to stay home one of the nights. Anyway, the church, they, they, um, one of the nights, they just committed a significant portion of the prayer time to me 
and, and my health. And I was like, I felt kind of weird about that, but it was very beautiful. It actually brought me to tears. And it was so weird because normally my flares, once I get them, they, um, they stay around for about five months or, you know, around that time. It went away, like, literally the next day. Oh, and Praise the Lord. Like, yeah. it, was, it was definitely um, a, a massive answer to prayer. Some other things that happened during the 10 days of prayer was that um, a ministry that we had to close down due to not having enough manpower, we used to run a food pantry every week, and I started that myself, and we did that for three years. It was an amazing ministry to reach the community. We had to shut that down, and that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But during the 10 days of the prayer, we weren't actually praying for that specifically, but we were asking God, how do we reach the community? Anyway, just out of nowhere, we just get this opportunity to start the food pantry up again with less manpower mm. than we do need. Like basically, yeah, God just provided an amazing way. Um, so we're going to be starting that up again. And we had a person from the community come to our 10 days of prayer, just a guy from the community who has health uh, mental health problems and he never prayed during the, the ten, like he came to the 10 nights of mm. prayer but he never actually prayed he just would listen to us mm. and it was just amazing to see on the end the very last night he actually said a prayer and it was just that was like a highlight for me because he felt comfortable enough he felt like he could open up in front of us and it was just really beautiful um, we ended um, the 10 days of prayer with a, a massive celebration night and he came to that and yeah I just when we come together, I just, you know, in Acts, praying for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that's what yeah. we were doing. And it was just, yeah, really powerful, united our church. Um, in John 17, Jesus prays a prayer just before he goes to the cross. And that was that his church would be one as he and his father are one, that they, that the world may know that he is Christ. And so when we come together and we're one in one purpose, it's just amazing what God will do. Mm. And I know he's going to do great things for our church if we stay praying and we stay together. So, yeah, that was like, that was one of my, yeah, answers to prayer that I guess I wanted to share with everyone. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Leah. It just reminds me the this passage where, where God says to Solomon about prayer, he says, if my people will humble themselves mm. and pray. Yes, I right? love that verse. So powerful. Thank you so much for sharing, and we pray that God will bless you in your ministry. This is Candice Bergen, Catch the Vision. There are souls
Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience, a rewarding career, great employment prospects. When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM, and we're about to get into our Bible study for the day. We are looking at Philippians chapter 1. But before we do that, I'd like to do another shameless plug. So if mm. I'm going to get Minnie to do a little bit here. I'm just going to throw this off the cuff to you. <laughs> yeah, so the book is Acts of the Apostle. We are giving this to you free if, for the first caller in. If you chuck us in a or call us in a spiritual question if there's something you've been wondering about maybe you've been reading something in the bible maybe you just have a question about the world we live in if you have a question give us a call numbers are 1-800-FAITH-FM that's 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669 actually the apostles it's a commentary it's about um the early church in acts which we have in the bible but it kind of just really expands on that time period and um yeah some things that were going on it's an amazing book and it can be yours for free <laughs> that's right to the first caller in so get on those dials and get going that's uh, of course not while you're driving but you know you can pull over turn the car off safely somewhere and, and text us in a question that'd that's be great right. um it's going to be awesome. So so please make sure you send in a question for that. The other thing I would say is what's really good about this book is it actually goes through 
a lot of the life of Paul because the life of Paul, the ministry of Paul, is an extensive portion yeah. of the book of Acts. So if you'd like to know more about the experience in Acts chapter 16 that we went through last week talking about Paul's uh, journey in, Philipp- in, in the city of Philippi in the region, um, you can gather some more information as you go through that commentary. Um, super Fully. cool stuff. All right, so let's get into it. We are in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians is a book in the New Testament. It's a very small book about halfway through, and it is uh, one of the letters of Paul. It's a letter that was written to the church at Philippi, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. But before we get into it, we'd just like to start our Bible study with a word of prayer. Would you like to pray for us today, Minnie? Mm, Yeah. Papa, Lord God, I just want to thank you so much that we have this opportunity to open your word together, um, whether by distance or just with Grady and I, uh, Robbie and I here. God, we just ask for your spirit that as we read, we can understand um, just the truth that you want to share with us. We know that you're God of peace and comfort and hope. And um, yeah, just speak to our hearts. And um, yeah, we just want to give you this time today. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who might be wondering, there's a reason that we pray before we do our Bible study, at least that's the practice that we're trying to keep, because um, we pray in the studio. Yeah. But uh, the reason is that I believe that the, the the Bible is the Word of God, and when we ask for Him to illuminate and and reveal things to us from Scripture, we're, we're leaving ourselves open to humbly say, God, you show me. Mm. I'm not here to be the expert. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me and speak into my life. So that's why we do that, if you're unfamiliar with that practice. All right, so a little bit of context Last week, we looked at the story of how Paul came to be in Philippi. They were led by the Holy Spirit. They were convicted, and so they took upon that conviction uh, a vision that the Holy Spirit gave them. They said, we're going to go to Macedonia, and the principal city they went to was Philippi. Mm. They arrived. There's no synagogue because there weren't enough Jewish males of adult age to warrant building a synagogue, but there was a group of, of, of particularly women that are mentioned who met by a river outside to pray. So these were believers, it would seem, in the Hebrew God. They were perhaps Jewish or perhaps uh, what you might call proselytes to the, to the mm. Jewish faith. So they might not have been Jewish heritage by blood, but they had come to believe in Yahweh, the, the Israelite God. And Paul comes there, starts preaching, Lydia, one of the principal people in the in in the in the group, accepts the faith. She says, "Come live in my house. We're going to start the house church." And the, the movement starts growing. And then he casts a demon out of a girl. And for this, mm. the people come and have him beaten, stripped naked, and beaten, and then thrown into jail. God rescues them, sends an earthquake, and a Philippian jailer. He is converted. He puts his faith in Jesus, and then they let Paul go and. That's basically it. That's, the, that's basically the story. So that gives us the context. But the point I wanted to make out of this, the reason to review this is this. The Philippian church began in a space of persecution. Paul was persecuted right from the outset of the, um, the, 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 the start of the program, like the, the start of the thing. So... Just quickly before we go on, so we had we asked if people had a question if they want to um, call us in. So we've got a question. We're going to answer it later in the show, but this is just going to be our question. Uh, so go ahead. Are you with us? Oh, we're having oh, some technical sorry. difficulties here. All right, we might have to get you to speak to Shell. We um and not yeah, sorry about that. Success. We're we're not have we're having some technical difficulties there, but you can you can 
pass that question on to Shell, and then and we'll get to that in our question of the week. So whoever you were, thank you so much for your call in. We'll hear we'll hear back from them in a moment. <laughs> All right. So so that's the context. But a couple of other things that are important to note before we get into the book. Whenever we're studying any piece of literature, hmm. whether it be Shakespeare or history of you know whoever, Tacitus, for example, we always need to look at and understand historical context, literary context, all of these things, um, so that we can get some some. Okay, um, we're gonna try to get our cooler to be back on the line. And hey, can you hear us? No, nah, we're going to give you back to Shell. Um, yeah, we'll keep going with our study. Um, we've just been getting some context for what we were studying last time and where we're going to go today. Okay, so Paul is writing a letter. This is important to note because it's not, it's not, it's not like the Gospels. The Gospels are written as a narrative telling the story of Jesus' life written for a, to a particular audience for a particular purpose. But the context of what's being written here is this is a letter being written by Paul who started this church, this group of believers, and he's writing a letter to this group. Most of the people would have been illiterate and mm-hmm. unable to read the letter. So the way that they would have heard the letter is to actually have it read out in their house church gathering. And then that letter would have been spread around to any other groups of believers in the local area so that they could hear from what Paul was saying. And so this helps us to understand a little bit about the nature of what this is. It's more of a pastoral letter to the community. What's interesting to note is that that changes a little bit of our understanding of what's going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're not going to look at this the same way as we would look for a literary structure with a plot that's going to go to a climax and then have catharsis and all of those kind of typical storytelling attributes. What we're looking at is a letter. And so the way that it's organized is as a letter. Um, So Paul's going to start with an introduction and a greeting and a salutation and a prayer, and then he's going to move into some things that he wants to communicate, and at the end we're going to find farewells. So just keep that in mind as we go throughout this, and we're going to get started right now. Mm. Let's read Philippians chapter 1. Let's read verse 1 through 1 and 2. Okay, so this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Okay. So there's a couple of really interesting things that take place right here at the beginning of the letter. First of all, this is a typical pattern for a, a letter of the Roman first century period. So notice, how does he start? Well, he introduces himself instead of having that at the end. That's right. So this is standard in first century practice for a letter. Mm. And he's saying... First of all, I'm traveling with someone. I'm with Timothy. We're slaves of Jesus Christ. Isn't that powerful? This is an interesting introduction. This is huge. Mm. This is huge. There's so much in this, right? Point number one, Paul is the kind of person who doesn't take all of the glory for himself. Mm. It's most probable from what we understand of Scripture because there are multiple letters. He writes different names of the people who are accompanying him and, and are with him on his ministry journeys. And yet the letters all have the flavor of Paul, not the flavor of Paul and Timothy versus mm. the flavor of Paul and Silas. Yeah. You get the idea? So it's Absolutely. it's very probable that Paul is either mostly the sole author or entirely the sole author, and Timothy's just there approving, yeah. right? 
But I love this because this highlights that Paul is not just about him, but he's about building people up and empowering disciples along the way. Yes. Isn't that powerful? Mm. Because this tells us a lot about Paul's ministry. Paul is interested in building up the believers and equipping them to also participate in the mission of sharing Jesus with the world. Yeah, fully. Isn't that awesome? Mm. I love that. What else does this tell us? So he calls himself a bondservant, which in the Greek is doulos, which means slave, mm. right? And what does he consider himself to be? A slave of who? A slave of Jesus. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. And so he says, look, I'm, I'm here not as, not as the king or the priest or the champ. No, no, no. I'm here as a slave mm. because it's Jesus who's the master. It's Jesus who's in charge, not me. Yeah. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ, he says. I'm a bondservant. He is the one to whom I have devoted my life. Mm. And in the Hebrew culture, a bondservant was somebody who you could have a person who was a servant in your home, and every seven years they would be released. You'd be given freedom again, no matter what your debts were, which is why most people went into servanthood um, or slavery, another word for that at the time, which is different than we typically picture slavery, not not the way it was taking place, say, in America in the 18th uh, and 19th century. Um, but this this was something that was by choice. To become a bondservant, you could say, I don't want freedom because I love my master. He's the, I'm part of the family now. I yeah. want to give my life to be a part of this. And that's what Paul's saying. And I love that Paul, he's so known for this. Right? I mean, I think it's in Romans. He says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he, he's just like, I'm not ashamed to be a slave of Christ. Like, mm. this is my life. This is where my life is at. This is My life belongs to this person. I'm going to start with that fact. Mm. Like, which it's a bit of a rebuke and it's a beautiful picture too, right? Because we don't, I think we don't have that in our culture today. You know, this was a time when, yeah, people understood this kind of cultural context. And so I think it's important when we read this, go, this is for us and it was for a very particular group of people. Does that make sense too? Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. All right, so that's who who's writing the letter. And then he addresses it specifically to the people that are there. And so notice this, this is one other brief point before we get into more of the letter. He says, to all the saints mm. in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops or overseers and deacons. And so this is super fascinating, right? Because notice he says, hey, hey I'm not just writing to the leadership. Yeah. And the leadership is then going to give this to you. No, no, no. You read this out to the whole community because this is a letter from Paul who came and planted this church, so to speak, or started this church, started this body of believers yeah. by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's saying, look, this is to everyone along with the leaders, which validates everybody who is in Christ Jesus. Your place matters. And it also gives a certain ownership and responsibility to mm -hmm. the call to the gospel and what he's about to share with them, right? It's not just, okay, those in leadership need to hear what I'm about to say. It's, hey, you, this letter, what I'm going to call you to and encourage you with, this is also for you, which I think is a really important part of feeling like you belong and like, yeah, that it's not just your job, you know, like you're a church pastor, Robbie, mm. and I can come along to your church and be like, oh, yeah, but that's Robbie's job. Well, no, it's not. Yeah, you, there's a certain aspect of accountability that will be on that leadership aspect of it yeah for sure we know that we know that's biblical too for sure but mm. it doesn't mean that my, my place is not is not replaceable you know someone else can fill that role god can raise up somebody else to do mm. that and it doesn't mean that the person that's in that position is the one who's to do everything that's right yeah. right because we all have a role to play and paul makes that very clear in some of his other letters yeah. we're a body mm. right the eye if you pull it out doesn't survive yeah. on its own 
so the eye might be a wonderful, great thing, lots of cool, fascinating, fun facts about it. Without it, life is different, mm. but it doesn't exist on its own. It must exist as a part of the body or it's useless. Mm. And yes. that's the same thing that's true of all of us, right? Like in the terms of the body of Christ, if we're, if we're not joined to the body and contributing what our gifting is, then, then the whole church loses out. Mm. And therefore, the whole world loses out because we're not as effective as the body of Christ. Hot That's cool. Great thoughts. All right. Let's keep reading. Let's read from verse 3 through verse 8. Okay. So, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard or you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in my defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Whew. That's a beautiful passage. Isn't it? Imagine getting this letter. Yeah, right? yeah. He's like, man, I just love you. I'm praying for you every day. Like every yeah. time I think of you, you know? It's awesome, man. It's a really, really amazing passage. It's beautiful. It's very encouraging, yeah, isn't it? absolutely. You know, the interesting thing about this is, you know, typically in a letter you would have an introduction, a salutation, and then you would have some sort of intro to what's going on. Like, sorry, introduction by like, uh, originally you'd, you'd say who you were. And then you'd be writing into the space. But here he says something that is incredibly positive, which is different than some of his other letters. Um, some of his other letters start with rebuke <laughs> and question. But this is the only of Paul's letters that doesn't have any of that in it. Yeah. We're going to take a break here. This is Doris Johnson, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? And 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. This is Faith FM, and uh, we are doing a Bible study on Philippians chapter 1. But before we get back into it, just want to do another plug. We uh, just had our first caller in. Mm -hmm. We had some difficulty there with getting some things on air. But um, our, our friend, I think it was Marco... I found in the end uh, is going to be receiving a free copy of uh, Acts, Acts of the, the Apostles. Apostles, but we'd still love to hear from you with any other questions that you've got. So please feel free to call with those questions, call them in, and uh, you can do so by calling 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or you can text us at 0491-064-669. So we'd love to hear from you. Okay, so Paul has just gone on. He's done this amazing greeting, and uh it's just so positive. Mm. And I love like one verse six where he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, which may come in later on in our question of the week time might be a part of part of the answer to that. Um, super interesting that Paul says this stuff because, for example, in the book of Galatians, he starts off and he says, from Paul and... Uh, says his, his, his welcome, he's like, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, and he starts off by defending himself. And then he says, grace to you, he does his greeting, and then the next thing he says to the Galatian church, the very first thing that he says to them afterwards is, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different good, good news, right? <laughs> like, so there are other places where Paul's, Paul's letters open with difficult and challenging statements that are specifically addressed to a community at that time who's going through an issue. Yeah, yeah. But when he writes to the Philippian church, it, again, it's the only letter that I'm aware of in the New Testament where he doesn't really have any harsh rebuke for anybody in the community. Mm. He's not trying to deal with heresies that are rising up in the church or false teachings about Jesus, if you're not familiar with that word. He's not dealing with immoral behavior. You know, the Corinthian church, for example, was dealing with some difficult sexual immoral, immorality in the church that he was addressing. And, and there's some full-on stuff going on in this first century church. Mm. But here, it's all beautiful. It's all, I am confident that God is at work in you, right? And God is going to do the work in you. So keep holding fast to your faith. Yeah. Do you think, so if you guys joined us last week, we were yeah, looking at Acts and how this church kind of began. And um, one of the things we talked about was the fact that it really started from a place of seeing the adversity that you're going to go through as a, as a Christian. And something I just wonder when I read this passage is like, is that part of the reason why? this church is kind of going strong still because they started from such a point of, oh, I have to be in or out. Yeah. You know? I think it's a great observation. And, you know, like we'll continue on reading through this book. I think it's a beautiful book, but I just think it's interesting that um, they kind of saw firsthand, mm. not just, oh, yeah, yeah, you guys might, 
be persecuted. They're like, oh, no, 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 the man who brought us this message, we saw him in a place of just getting, you know, smashed for something. Yeah. Um, which I just think is interesting. And I, context is key. So oh, keep that yeah. in the back of your mind. As we read throughout this, it's so good that you're saying this because you're drawing the context back in. Mm. They were born in adversity. Yeah. The Philippian jailer is responding and saying, yes, I want to sign up for Jesus as he's being converted in the prison cell <laughs> yeah. by the man who's there been beaten naked, might still be naked in the jail cell, who's yeah. singing hymns to Jesus and spiritual songs and psalms, right? Like yeah. this is the, the conversion experience that he's had. So he's like, he's all in. And you got to remember too that sometimes we have this, we have this false, and I'm going to say this very clearly, we have a false mentality of what religion is in our modern culture, mm. right? And what I mean by that is this, religion is not just a set of intellectual dogmas. It is not just a set of pieces of head knowledge and intellectual beliefs. That is not religion. Yeah. That's, that's, that's an idea. Religion in the first century context is your whole worldview. It's your whole life, mm. right? This is why it was so crazy what's going on with Paul and why the Romans were so adverse to this is because this could start a revolution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fully. Right? And so they were adverse to this because it was in opposition to Rome. Paul says, Jesus is Lord. In Greek, that's kurios. That was the title given to Caesar. Caesar is Lord. Caesar is the son of God. Caesar Augustus claimed wow. divine status. He says that his father was then taken to become a god, and he's therefore a son of God, right? These are titles that, that are used in the Roman world for the emperor, and Paul's saying, no, 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 no. no. Jesus is the emperor. Mm. Jesus is Lord. And so, so religion is, is, is more than just a set of ideas. It's, it's a way of life. It works itself into reality, and these people understood that when they made that commitment. That was my point. I just want to just really quick jump on one of the things I remember when I read as a teenager, I think it's in James, and it makes the comment that pure undefiled religion is this, and it says something along the lines of um, care for orphans and widows in their distress and keep yourself unspotted from the world. That's right. That's a totally lived experience. Yeah. And that's not about, oh, if I'll, I'll just checklist uh, the right things to do. That's really how those beliefs impact the values that you live out Ooh, values and by the way if you want to talk about values our church coast life adventist church in new south wales mm -hmm. uh we are starting a six-part series on values this saturday so nice. please come check that out you can hit us up on our facebook page coast life adventist church nsw yeah uh, facebook.com slash that stuff or even come see us and come see us in person if you're in the swansea Re caves beach region around lake macquarie mm. values it's huge all right Sorry, I'm, I'm getting off track here. Otherwise, we're gonna we're not gonna get through <laughs> chapter one. All right. So he says this amazing stuff, and then he says a prayer for them. Let's read verse nine through eleven. Mm, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much uh, glory and praise to God. Whew, so what is he saying here? I just think this is so beautiful. He's just like, well, when I read this, I'm like, first of all, it's going to be Jesus alone, which Amen. is going to be impacting your life. Like the righteousness character, that's that's going to be God. Um, what did I just read? There was something that I read that I wanted to say. I love how he goes, I want you to understand that this is what matters, mm -hmm. the lives that you lead. Like it's not the debates that you can win or 
you know, I'm a bit higher than this person because I had this education or had, you know, like there's, there's none of that. Mm. What, did you have any particular thoughts that stood out for you? Oh, I love this. There's, there's so many cool things in this passage, but I love this. He says, and this I pray, right? So first of yeah. all, he, you, you got to remember, this is a real person. Paul's a real dude mm. who really was working with this real group of people. And notice what he said before, uh, just to hearken back to what he said. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy yeah. for your fellowship with the good news, right? Like this is not just a disconnected, like like I'm just like the CEO of a business and this is just one of my little franchises and I care that it makes you know certain goals. No, no, no. He's he's deeply invested in these people. Yeah. He's deeply invested. And so he's saying, Look, I I'm praying for you. And and when Paul says I'm praying for you, you gotta remember what a little bit of context I forgot to mention earlier. Paul's writing from a jail cell, which yeah. we're gonna find the evidence for that in a few verses. And he's writing from prison with anxiety about the people that he has led to Jesus that he can't physically be there to support. So what's he doing? He's doing the thing that he can. He's he's praying for them often, mm. interceding on their behalf, praying for them, right? Mm. And the second thing that he's doing is he's writing letters to send to them. He's sending people like Timothy to go and support the church, to encourage them, to help teach them, to help them in the difficulties and to navigate these things. So he's sending support with people he trusts, he's sending his own support by letters, and he's praying for them always. Mm. And so he says this, he says, look, look, this is one of the things I'm praying for you. I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. He then goes on with his long Pauline sentences, and it's a long <laughs> sentence. Yeah. But I wanna start there because notice something, he says, look, it's not that you have arrived, mm, right? Yes. And let me be clear on what I mean by that. We can have assurance and say, look, I'm, I've put my faith in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. I can have assurance, right, that if I'm walking with Jesus, I'm surrendered to him. I know it's his, his faithfulness that has proved to the day, and I can have assurance of my salvation in that sense, right? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is he's saying, look, that's not arrival in the, in the sense of you're still going to grow. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we might put the word sanctification, which is to be holy, to be more like Jesus, right? Mm. It's a process. Yeah. It's a process, full stop. It's not, it's not a switch that all of a sudden everything's easy and all of a sudden I look just like Jesus. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's talking about a process here, but look what he says. He says, I want you to abound in love more and more, more and more. And I can just picture him saying more and more and more and more and more and because that's where it goes. It goes on and on. But not just like the way that we often think about love, sappy, emotional, just feelings, which come and go like the wind, right? Because I had a bad sandwich. It gave me indigestion. All of a sudden, I don't love anybody because I'm cranky, right? Like mm -hmm. he's not talking about that. That's nonsense. He's talking about action. Love is an action towards others, towards God. And he says, this is going to grow. I'm praying that your love will abound more. Abound is to grow, to be overflowing more and then more mm. and then more in knowledge and in discernment. Yeah. So not, not just to love, but to actually increase in your awareness of how to effectively do that in the right ways. Because when I was 15 years old, my perception of what love was was not the same as when I was 21 years old, which is not the same as when I was 30 years old, which is not the same as now that I'm 33. Because God's taught me along the way through life and through other things, through scripture, not the least of which, 
what love looks like. And my understanding of love has grown and mm-hmm. therefore my ability to love is deeper. And my ability to love is more effective. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I just wanted to add on really quickly, it just reminded me of a conversation I had with someone, is that there's so much encouragement here for the fact that God is constantly like growing who we are. Mm. Because that means that if you had if you started from a bad context, you don't have to stay there. That's right. But also if you started with the most amazing beginnings You haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. You, <laughs> you know? know? What I mean? Like, yeah, fully. It's still this Guys, You're in process. That's right. Masterpieces in transit. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thought, Minnie. All right. We're going to keep reading. Let's read from verse 12 through 14. Okay. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped me to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my uh, imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Nice. So good. He's just like, I just want you to know that this is a good thing. All right. So so (laughs) in case this was missed, Mm. Paul is saying, I'm in prison. Mm, Yeah. I'm in Rome. Yeah. The capital of the then world. Right, the then Western world. I'm in the capital. I'm in the seat. I'm in the belly of the beast, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right, the emperor is the enemy. Right, in in many real senses. And he says, "I'm writing from prison." But it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay that I'm in prison. And I love that he says why. Right, he's like everyone here knows why, and they know it's about Jesus. And now, man, the others, the other Christians who they're free. They have more boldness than they did before. Isn't that amazing? Mm. And I want you to—I want to highlight something. It says some weird words. It called it—was it the Praetorian Guard, or the Praetorium, or the Palace Guard, depending on what translation you're reading? I want to highlight something that a friend of mine who is big into history illuminated for me. This is the secret service of the Roman Empire. Ooh. This is the emperor's personal guard. This is the highest elite of all of the soldiers of Rome. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Who in the world was going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ in that position Ooh. ever, right? Yes. Because you're, you're, you're the enemy of, 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 this, <laughs> of this group of people. Yeah, you're not going to be hanging out with them. Right? This little yeah. place in Palestine, this little place, Israel, is a long way from Rome, especially if you've got to travel by foot, by boat, by horse, by donkey, <laughs> yeah. right? And he's saying, look, the gospel is actually going to the Praetorian Guard. It's going to the secret service of the Roman Empire who operate at the palace, the highest of the highest of these elite soldiers who often were involved in things like assassinations and, mm. and not so good deeds. And he says, look, look, man, it has become evident to the whole of this group of people and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. He says that everybody in the whole secret service knows I'm here not because I, do, I did some crime, but because I'm a servant of Jesus. That's right. And they're all hearing the gospel. And in fact, the fact that I am imprisoned is not stopping the Christians from sharing the message because they locked me up. I'm not, the message hasn't stopped. It's actually gone further yeah. because the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, as Tertullian said. Yes. It's amazing, isn't it? So good. And I love that. that they're just, yeah, it enables them to reach, uh, sorry, it enabled him to reach a place, as you said, that maybe they wouldn't have been reached. Yeah, it's powerful And, so, and he's, he's praising God for this. He's like, yeah, it's all good. That's it. May this is Dave Bilbrow, May My Life. Declare the honor of your name. 
Reveal the heart of Christ who came To light the darkest place with sacrificial love Chorus me, Lord, to reach out in the Father's name To glorify the Lamb once slain To light the darkest place with sacrificial love Teach me alone To make my life as an offering To tell the world that Jesus Christ is King For the glory of God May my Declare the honor of your name Reveal the heart of Christ who came To light the darkest place With sacrificial love Course me, Lord To reach out in the Father's name To glorify the Lamb to light the darkest place with sacrificial love. Teach me, Lord, to make my life as an offering to tell the world that Jesus Christ is King for the glory of God. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM, and uh, we're going to get back into the last portion of our Bible study on Philippians chapter 1 after we just uh, do one more shameless plug. So if you have a question, a spiritual question, how can they call in and let us know for our question of the week portion that's going to be after our next break? Yeah, you can call us on 1-800-324-843 or nice and easy, which is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Lock that into your phone, so next time it's just... 
you know, nothing. That's the way. Save it. Speed dial. (laughs) Or send us a text 0491064669. Again, that is 0491064669. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions. Um, So, yeah, give us a call, shoot us a text, and producer Shell will um, have the phones handy just right close by. We're going to keep going with the Bible study. That's it. That's it. Uh, it's not too late, so you can still get them nah, in there. There's always time. All right, cool. So so Paul has just said some stuff about the Praetorian Guard. There's boldness. Let's keep reading 15 through 18. Okay, so it is true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed defend, to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more painful to me. Where am I going to? Through 18. Oh, 18, sorry. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. That's so good. (laughs) I love it. As long as people are hearing Jesus. Isn't that interesting? And I think it's just a very simple, small point. Mm-hmm. It really highlights Paul's desire because it's yeah. not about, oh, these are my followers. Mm. This is my version and my branch of Jesus' followers. You know, he, 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 in one of his other books, says, why are you disputing about who baptized you? This is stupid. You were all baptized into Jesus, not into <laughs> Paul or yeah. Barnabas or anyone else, mm. Apollos. He says, no, you're missing the point. You yeah. were baptized into Jesus Christ who is the Messiah, who is the Son of God, who is the hope of glory, right? Like, this is the, it's not about me. And I love that because it's highlighted here. He says, look, some people have, have gone out and started preaching in spite, like, to spite me because uh-huh. I'm in jail. And he says, their intentions aren't good, but I don't care because Jesus <laughs> is being preached. Yeah. Right? Which is really difficult. I don't know if you have ever been on the end of this, either our listeners or Robbie, but when you feel like someone's doing something that, that it's kind of poking at you personally and you can feel that, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, and that hurts. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes really easy to respond in a way that sometimes is actually fair that you're like, this isn't all right. We need to sort this out. But there's a point too where like here in Paul's life, he's going, Mm-mm, that is beside the point, as you said, Robbie. And he's like, that, if that's not the point, let's not make it the point. Yeah. If the point is Jesus, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Isn't that it? And that can be hard to do, but really important to do. Oh, totally. Totally. Which is often how the gospel is. <laughs> it's yeah. actually quite simple, not easy. <laughs> yeah, simple but not easy to accomplish. Simple steps but not easy to perform, perhaps yeah. from motive or whatever other reason. It can be challenging. But I love this because it tells us a lot about Paul. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read from verse 19 onward. Okay, for I know that as you pray for me, and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold about Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. 
And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. All right, let's pause there. Uh, there's, there's, a, just, there's just one verse in there that I love, and, and uh, different translations say it differently, but I like, I like this translation. He says, For to me, mm. to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Mm. And I just think it's amazing. When, when you put your hope fully in Jesus, and you have the assurance of the promises of Jesus in your life, right? You're not, it doesn't mean there's no difficulty. Paul had a more difficult life than most people in the world have had. Let's be real. Lots of people have had some very difficult circumstances. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, Mm. but he had some very difficult circumstances as well. Beatings, floggings, prison, shipwreck, naked and hungry, abandoned, Mm. you know, false teachers coming and and undoing his work, like all sorts of horrific things. And he was beheaded. Right. So like he had a difficult life in in that regard and it was all difficult for Jesus. But I love what he says there. He says, Hey, look, what I have found in Jesus makes all the difficult things. Okay. Yeah. As long as they're for the sake of Jesus. And he says, and guess what? If I die, doesn't matter because I know the hope that I have, which is that Jesus promises Mm. if he was resurrected from the dead, so too he will come back and resurrect his followers from the dead at his coming. And so he says, look, I've got this hope. And this hope directs the entire trajectory of my life because I'm not afraid. I don't have to be afraid of death. Mm. To live is Christ. To die is gain because when I die, it's a short sleep and I'm waiting for Jesus to come resurrect me. That's right. Boom. And that hope right there, that is, that's everything. Mm. That's everything. And I love that. Like we could go into so much in this passage, but, but I think that's the point. Isn't it amazing? And it's interesting the way he kind of also then goes on to highlight, but hold on, because ministry is about the people, if I can be a help to you, then I'm certain that I will keep on living because God has work for me to do in encouraging you. Mm. I mean, I don't know. If someone said that to me, if someone's like, hey, just want you to know, that I feel like God has like put up me in your path so that I can encourage you on your journey, man, I'd be so like, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> oh, you know, like, how do you respond to that? That's, I mean, I guess he also is known to be a bit rebuking, which he doesn't in this letter, but this is someone who sincerely cares for you. That's right. Well, a rebuke is often given, a rebuke in love. I shouldn't say all rebuke is given in love because <laughs> it's not, but a rebuke given in love is, you know, Proverbs says mm. the... Oh, blessed are the fr- wounds of a friend, right? But the kisses of an enemy are, are worse. I can't, that's a terrible paraphrase. I just read this the other day. I don't know where it is. Um, but anyway, you get the point. Yeah. Uh, somebody who really cares about you, when they rebuke you, it's for your benefit. That's right. Yeah. But people who don't love you, they'll flatter you. They'll tell you all that they want to take you down to get what they want, mm. right? Like th- there's a huge difference there. I love this also before we keep reading is that, he says in verse 19, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. And then me looking back, I'm like, but you what didn't. are you talking about, Paul? You got, you died. Yeah. But notice that he says in this very passage, he says, he says that uh, deliverance thing. And then he comes down, he says a bunch of stuff. And he says, All, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Mm. And so when he talks about deliverance, he's not necessarily talking about just physical deliverance. Because in the same sentence, he says, hey, look. I know this is going to turn out for my deliverance. Yeah. So what's he talking about there? And I think that what he's talking about there is, look, when I'm doing the things that Jesus has called me to do, it's working out for my deliverance. It's for my good. It's for my long-term best interest. 
because it's a part of the journey. It's a part of the sanctification process of, of getting closer to Jesus. And that's a part of my deliverance. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. He says, so whether I die, whether I live, doesn't matter. Yeah. I will be delivered. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. right? And, and the reality is sometimes we just, we are so short-sighted. We don't think about this. Mm. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Everybody who's listening to this is going to die. Like that's harsh to say, but the reality is unless Jesus comes first, it's true. This was going to happen. Yeah. Almost without fail, every person on planet earth dies. Mm. Sometimes we think, oh man, let's try and prevent that at all costs. And, and I mean, that's good. Let's preserve life. But, but the reality is that there's something more than that. Mm. We mm. got We got to deal with the, the death question. We have to face that. It's better to figure out the answers to those questions and to deal with the harsh reality that y- you and I are going to have to face that than to pretend and live lives that don't mean anything and to live afraid of death our whole life rather than Ooh. what he's doing, which is living unafraid of death because he has a hope in Jesus for life. That's right. And because when you know that hope and when you know you are secure in Jesus Christ and that he's coming for you, you can do things that you never would have had the courage to do. You can face difficulties and trials. You can overcome challenges that you would have no hope of ever doing because you wouldn't have the courage to even step out and try. When you have faith in Jesus, you can do that. And that's amazing because that that kind of confidence comes only through the faith that you can have in the hope that Jesus brings. Yes. And that's what Paul's got, and that's what Paul's talking about. And we hope that we can experience that too, and he says that we can. This is Sovereign Grace Music.
day we'll see the lamb once slain who saved a countless multitude to glorify his name we're yearning for the wedding feast of jesus and his bride his nail-scarred hands will finally bring us to his side to live is christ to die is gain in every age this truth remains we a road trip up the coast, pop in just off the highway to New Start Juice at 45 William Street, Raymond Terrace. Grab yourself a fresh, healthy juice or smoothie and check out the op shop while you wait. And remember, every day is a fresh new start. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. God has already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real. And real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it the care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM, and it has come to, uh, well, what, th- what time is it? I don't know if we've got well, I don't know. I think, maybe, it, I think it's maybe time Maybe we don't for... have the jingle today. It's all right. What time is it? It's time for question of the week. Question of the week. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So I believe, do we just have the one question? We just have the one question at the awesome. moment. Yep. What, so what's our question today, Minnie? Our question is, do you have to be perfect before the close of probation? All right, so this is a great question, and uh, Lord, we ask for wisdom. So, mm-hmm. so for those that are unfamiliar with this question, this 
this is actually a hotly debated thing among some circles of believers. Um, but in, in, in order for us to even look at this, and I, I'm going to uh, acknowledge I am by no means an expert on this topic, so these are just going to be some thoughts and some scriptures that hopefully will help on the question. Um, probation closing is, is a, it's actually not a word that appears anywhere in the Bible, probation. Um, so when people refer to this, what they're referring to is the, the end of God's judgment, which Daniel 7 demonstrates and other places in scripture demonstrate takes place before he comes. Revelation twenty two eleven, mm-hmm. Jesus says, let him who is just be just still, let him who is unjust be unjust still, let him who is righteous be righteous still, etc." And so in order for God to give the rewards for uh, the rewards of the judgment, such as which is eternal life to those who believe, um, the judgment has to finish. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? So you you don't give rewards until the judgment has taken place. That's the point. And so that is the closing of probation, right? The close of probation is a term to refer to the point when judgment has ended and Jesus returns and actually gives gives the rewards to the faithful, etc. So if, if you're unfamiliar with that, that's that's kind of what it's talking about. Um, so the question is, when that point happens, when the judgment has finished, yeah, right, in order for somebody to be saved, the question is, at that point, do we have to have achieved perfection? Now that's a that's a tough question that's to ask, right? That's a big right? question, yeah. It's a big ask, it's a big question to ask, and there's a lot of people who debate this hotly and I don't really want to get involved in the controversy, to be totally honest. So as we talk about this, I just want us to remember that this is this is something that we need to prayerfully and carefully consider. Mm. And the more important thing out of this question is not necessarily the, the, the answer to that being yes or no, yeah. but is actually practically how is it experienced. That's, I think, the more important question of the whole thing, because that is specifically addressed in Scripture plainly. And that's the part that I think we need to be most considered of because that's what's really going to hit the, where the rubber really hits the road for real life. So there's a couple of verses that come to mind. Jesus, for example, says, Be ye perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hmm. Now you read that statement and you think, well, that's impossible, right? I can't be perfect. So what does he mean by that? Any thoughts? Well, it just kind of actually reminds me of... Um the verse that we just read in Philippians, how it says that um, he, like, he who has begun the good work will complete it. Philippians one verse yeah, six in Jesus Christ. So, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The Bible also gives really, really clear um, explanation that we actually can't do that by ourselves. 100%. Like it's just never going to be something that we can do. Your heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. That's right. You know, and it's seek who can God. Know it? You know, turn to Him and live. That's you right. Know? I will put a stone. Uh, I will take out of you the stone of uh, the heart of stone and put into you a heart of flesh. Yeah, you know. Ezekiel. So we see again and again and again that anything to do with our own salvation or changing is directly linked to God really doing that work in us. A hundred percent. So, in in terms of what that looks like, there's a couple of things that I think we should address. Number one, how do we experience any kind of perfecting work? And a word that would be used for that in in a theological term would be sanctification, a Mm. a sanctifying process. Point number one, when we put our faith in Jesus and we trust in his blood and his salvation, the Bible says that we are justified. We are declared righteous, Yeah. right? Now, the Bible also talks about how we are to grow in grace. We read that today in Philippians. And in fact, the the ironic thing is that, and praise the Lord for this irony, that the, the question was actually addressed a lot 
in our our chapter here in Philippians chapter one. So a couple of things to consider. Number one, Paul says, I can be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. So point number one, Paul says, it's Jesus who's completing the work. Mm. The process of becoming more like Jesus is Jesus living it out in you. So point number one, you will never make you perfect. <laughs> yes. That and, and that is like like it's easy to laugh and or it's easy no, to no, see no, that but, it's, but, very but, true. but it's 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 a crucial thing that many people misunderstand. Yeah. You will never make you perfect. Mm. If you make that your aim in life, what's going to happen is you're going to become one of two things. Self-righteous and deceived as the Pharisees were, or you're just going to give up because mm. you'll realize that you are helpless. That is a crucial thing. If you'd get nothing else out of what we're saying right now, that is the, I think that's the most important thing to take out of this. Yeah. You cannot make you perfect. You will not become perfect by your own efforts. You will not somehow have gotten to the place where you and your strength have stopped having sins. That's just not going to happen. The Bible makes that very plain, mm-hmm. whatever stripe you come from. So what is he talking about here? So he says, being confident of this. That the one who began the good work in you, which is the Holy Spirit, that's called prevenient grace. He gave you the opportunity to even make a choice, Mm. to respond to him. That was grace in itself. To accept his grace through faith is is something that we have access to by grace. Then he goes on and he says, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So what he's talking about here is you are going to change. The Holy Spirit is going to be doing a perfecting work in you. If you are continuing to follow Jesus faithfully, that perfecting work will continue every day of your life, all the way through. And think about this. This is just a side note, but this is just a philosophical thought. Even if you were perfect, it doesn't mean you cannot grow. Yeah. I think that's important to know. Adam and Eve were sinless. And yet they still had limited knowledge. They had to learn. They had to grow. They had to grow in grace. Mm -hmm. They had to grow in relationship with Jesus to know more. They still were people. And they could still make mistakes. But those mistakes were not going to be sins, right? There's a difference there. Um, I'm not talking about making a sinful mistake. I'm talking about you can still make errors in in a perfect world, right? Like, oh. Anyway, sorry, that's a philosophical thought. Let's not get too much on that. Sorry, it's probably distracting. Anyway, I lost my thought. So the process of sanctification is something that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. What's our role in that? I think that's a crucial thing to ask. Mm. If I can't make me perfect, then how is Jesus perfecting me? And it comes through surrender. Galatians 2 verse 20. Let's turn there if you've got a Bible. Galatians 2 verse 20. Paul writes and he says this. He says, I have been, that's past tense, crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. So I died. I'm dead. We put that to the side. That's right. I'm not the center now. It's Jesus, and it's Jesus living in me. So what does that mean in a practical sense? It means that as God reveals to me, hey, this thing in your character, this is not, oh, wow, have we already run out of eight minutes? Let's give some more time, sorry. Goodness gracious, I lost track of the time. (laughs) The point is we need to be surrendered to Jesus daily. Mm. Jesus is gonna reveal to you, hey, this thing, this this is not okay. You didn't know that. You were committing this sin in ignorance, but now you're aware of it. 
And now you make a choice what you do with that. Now you make a choice. Mm. Are you going to surrender that to me moment by moment? Yeah. That's what it looks like to live in a surrendered relationship with Jesus. Jesus will give you victory over things and you will have fallen. Oh, you've fallen. But then you get back up and you get back up and you get back up and you keep trying. And the distance between you and the last time you fell to that thing gets further and further until one day you get up and you're no longer falling into that thing. But God's going to reveal that there are other defects and that's going to take place. One final thought here. Um, and hopefully this is helpful, Marco. Um, in Leviticus, when it talks about the Day of Atonement, which is the final day of judgment, where the cleansing of the sanctuary takes place, the attitude of the people was this. He says, afflict your souls, which means humble yourselves. On that day, they would be praying, is there anything else I have yet to confess and to repent of? And if that's our attitude every day, walking in relationship with Jesus, then we have nothing to worry about. Mm. So may God bless you. I hope that's helpful. Let's go to our next song, which is One Clear Voice, I'm Trying to Be Like Jesus.
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Minnie. You are listening to Faith FM. And uh, yeah, hopefully that was helpful, Marco. Sorry, we kind of ran out of time. I lost track of time. I was like, oh, this this question <laughs> will take four minutes, but I just spoke for eight. We did. But anyway, um, if you have more questions on that or you'd like to get some more information, feel free to text us in on the hotline and we can um, have some more correspondence with you or if anyone else would like to, would ha- be happy to, to engage more with you on that topic or another topic. Um, so... We've run to the end of our program, yeah. and I'd really like to finish the chapter. So I think we're going to read our last few verses. We're going to go back to Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 27 through verse 30, and that's where we're going to land the plane, so to speak. So we're back in Philippians chapter 1, 27 through 30. Okay, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a many manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in the struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The, I love how it starts, and it actually ties in with the question from before about sanctification and this process yeah. of how does Jesus work in our life and to change us, um, which is a process that goes on until you until you die, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's going on all the way. Um, and by the way, as a side note on that probation question, you know, everybody who's ever died has hit their, their probation ending, right? Like that's the yeah. end of their, their life, their opportunity, their decisions have been made. That's right. So we all face that no matter what, whether it's at the second coming of Jesus or everybody else at the last breath, right? But I love this. He says, conduct, let your conduct be worthy. Let your conduct be worthy of the good news of Christ, hmm. right? And so he says, look. Don't let faith be something that's head knowledge mm. alone. He says, let it impact your real life. Your values should be adjusted by the values of Jesus. And when you understand your worth to him and what he has done for you and is doing for you and will do for you, yeah. all of a sudden your values can shift because your beliefs shift mm. mm-hmm. because you, what you believe about God is different. What you believe about yourself is different and what you believe about others is different. And that, that results in a change of character that results in conduct that is born out of character because we act out of who we are. We act out of what we believe. What I believe about God determines what I believe about myself and others, and that will determine my behaviors towards all of those people, right? And I love that. He says, let your conduct be worthy of the good news of Jesus. Mm. Let the good news of Jesus impact the way that you live, the way that you see the world. Let it change everything. And he's writing this from a prison cell saying, look, yeah. Look what it's done for my life. My life has changed. And he says, don't be worried. I've got no fear, right? Like, don't be afraid because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I love that he kind of highlights, but he goes, man, it's such a privilege to trust him. But look at my life. I'm in prison. I still say it's a privilege to have suffered for him. Oof. You Oof. know, like that's <laughs> it's so good. And then he says it to them, right? That's he's what like, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, look, man, when these people are, are persecuting you, it's a symbol. It's a sign of their destruction. Mm. And it's a sign of your salvation. And it has been granted, permitted, gracefully given to you mm. to suffer for the sake of Jesus who suffered for you. Yeah. Hey. Right. It's just, it's so profound. And, you know, one thing that this reminds me of is just when you read stories of the martyrs, 
You've got in in scripture, for example, you see the martyr martyrdom of Stephen. He's he's stoned to death for his faith, and what's he doing? He's, he's praying, praying for, for the, the people. people who are persecuting him. That's yeah. that's Christian perfection, yeah. right? Like this is somebody who the love of God has gotten into his heart in such a profound way that his dying breath. He's praying for the forgiveness of his enemies rather than hating them. And you know what? Let's just keep in mind the fact that this is Paul writing this book. Paul was at the stoning of Stephen. So he was also someone who this dying man is praying for. That's you know? right. And we know that Paul's ministry, like you said, it's a big part of the New Testament. It's huge. You know? Huge. Incredible. And I love that. Like you think of these other martyrs, people who are, are burnt at the stake for their faith in Jesus, their faith mm. in his word. And when they're put to death, what are they doing? They're not cursing and swearing at people and carrying on and trying to get revenge. They're, they're just, they're singing, like they're mm. singing psalms, yeah. right? As they're being burnt, right? Like this is, this is hectic, Absolutely. But, but this is the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. You know, another interesting thing to note is that when things become more black and white and in a situation where you're being persecuted, things are becoming more black and white, right? You're either all in or you're all out. Mm-hmm. It actually impacts a lot about what you choose to do because it, it solidifies who you are. And when you're under pressure in that kind of sense, if you choose to be out, you're out, mm. right? Like that's just, that's that's the choice. But if you choose to be in, it impacts the way that you choose. I think it solidifies in your mind how committed you are and your commitment grows, you know, tenfold, a hundredfold, simply by virtue of the fact that it costs you something. Mm. And because when you make that, that decision, oh yeah, well, I'm in then it, it, it gives you this ability, it seems. You know, the Holy Spirit empowers you to be able to make it through those difficult circumstances with more faith, with more faithfulness. And even for those who, you know, we can see in history different characters who may be, oh, what's it called? Like they kind of call back their faith. Mm. They, um, oh. anyway. They, they fall away. Yeah, they, yeah. Recant. Yes, yeah, so that's one. But then there's some people that they recant, and then for that they go, I should never have done that. God knows that journey too, yeah. you know? And so I think that's a beautiful message of sometimes the thing that lives in you, you don't even know lives in you Yeah. Mm. until you're in a situation where it comes out and then you can decide what you do with that thing that you didn't even know was there. That's right. God knew, but you just needed a circumstance to reveal it. Trials just, they don't, they don't change your character. They reveal, they reveal it. it. Yeah, mm. totally. All right. Well, we've come to the end of our Bible study section here and, uh, we haven't had a whole lot of time to draw out application right at the end, but we've drawn out a lot of applications throughout. And I think the one that sticks out to me the most is that Paul says in, in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it by the day of Jesus Christ, mm. is to put your hope in Jesus. He's the only one who can do it. Surrender and walk in a relationship with him and he will do the work. Our job is to stay surrendered to him and as he reveals to respond to what he reveals so we just encourage you as you go throughout your week and as you go throughout your day to call on that jesus because he's the one who is strong enough and big enough to handle all of those things in your life you can give them to him follow him all the all the way to live as christ and to die as gain he says real faith is lived faith